0: I'm Dr. Michelle Thaller, and this is Orbital Path, a show from PRX about the cosmos and our place in it. Stars don't live forever. They actually are born, have a lifespan, and then they die. And when stars that are quite a bit more massive than the sun die, something very spectacular happens. They blow up, usually in something called a supernova explosion. And even though this is the most violent and brightest explosion that we're aware of in the entire universe, the incredible thing is that there's usually something left over right at the very center of it, even after the explosion. And that could either be something called a neutron star, which is a very hyper-compressed ball of matter. One teaspoonful of neutron star material would have as much mass as Mount Everest, for example. Or things get out of hand entirely and you have a black hole, which is basically a bottomless pit of gravity. We've never actually seen the birth of a black hole. So Christopher Kochanik, an astronomer at Ohio State University, decided one day, literally over coffee, that he was going to go out looking for that singular moment when a star dies and turns into a black hole.
1: We have this tradition or whatever of morning coffee uh, where people meet every day to to look at uh, papers. Uh, And we just came to a discussion after one of these coffees about the question of where do the black holes come from uh, and what do they look like can they form. And so that's sort of the genesis of this.
0: First, Kuchanik and a team of astronomers scoured the sky.
1: I think we started with like a thousand things to take a closer look at. And, you know, then you look at it more closely and you get it down to smaller and smaller numbers of objects.
0: And while Kuchanik was on this hunt, a weird thing happened. In 2009, a star suddenly flared up to over one million times the brightness of the sun. Then the same star, called N6946BH1, snappy name, right? This same star almost just as suddenly fizzled out. It went almost invisible. So Kochanek's team dug up some old pictures from the Hubble Space Telescope to see what this star looked like before it went through this massive change from bright to dark. And Kochanek was pleased with what
1: he saw. Sometimes a picture is worth a thousand words.
0: Because the Hubble pictures showed that this weird disappearing star really was just a star a star that a few years ago was humming along and then, in 2009, died. In other words, Kochanik's team had, for the first time in human history, witnessed the fiery death of a star and the birth of a black hole. But he's not popping any champagne bottles to celebrate this new discovery, not just yet.
1: You know, I wouldn't say, you know, you turned around one moment and suddenly went Eureka or anything. It was sort of more a steadily growing confidence of God damn it, it actually does happen.
0: And that's where Kachanik is right now, waiting, staring at the sky, hoping this object keeps doing very little, because that's the only way he'll know that it truly is a black hole. Black holes have inspired a lot of curiosity, and for obvious reasons. But for scientists, the curiosity goes beyond the implicit drama of event horizons, wormholes, and time travel. Jeremy Schnittman, a research astrophysicist at NASA's Goddard Space Flight Center, says black holes represent a kind of ultimate test for modern physics, and in turn, our entire understanding of the universe.
2: One of the things that black holes are really good for is for testing Einstein's theory of relativity in the most extreme examples in the universe. Uh, So by testing gravity around black holes where it's the strongest by definition possible in the universe, it will really be the strongest test of Einstein's theory. So if Einstein can pass this test, then he can pass any test.
0: Einstein's theory of relativity, which is a hundred years old now, is still the best description we have for really how the universe works. The basic properties of what space is, and time, and how gravity works. It's also something very practical, too.
2: The GPS system does depend, in fact, on general relativity and this slowing down of time. It's a very minor effect because It's only Earth's gravity, not a black hole's gravity, but it is important. And if you don't include it, all of your GPS satellites will be wrong. Uh, In fact, this is one of the first things they discovered when launching the GPS. They proved that Einstein's theory was right in that field. So, from an application point of view, maybe limited on Earth, but from a overall understanding of how the world works is very important.
0: And even though black holes represent a perfect opportunity to test Einstein's theory, he wasn't really certain himself whether black holes were real or not.
2: He actually thought they were just a mathematical oddity. One of the things that Einstein struggled with for, for most of his career was trying to understand which parts of the theory were, were math and which were physical reality. Um, when you have a very mathematical law of nature like general relativity, it, it becomes very important to understand which pieces of it can be actually tested and observed with experiment. One, two, three!
0: And one day in 1971, all of a sudden, Einstein's math met our reality.
3: I'm Paul Murdin. And I'm probably best known for my discovery of the black hole in uh, the constellation Cygnus. That was the first black hole that um, anybody had any kind of um, confidence in.
0: That's right, Dr. Merton accidentally proved the existence of black holes. He was studying the source of x-rays that had been recently found.
3: So for me, the x-rays were a flag that was waving at me saying, Look at me, look at me. I'm very interesting. Study me and you'll find out something that will be rewarding.
0: They called it Cygnus X-1. It was the first thing bright in X-rays we found in the Cygnus constellation.
3: So what I learned from Cygnus X-1 was that there was something in that constellation, a double star, two stars circling one another.
0: These are known as binary star systems. The first star in Cygnus X-1 was a pretty normal star.
3: And the other one, an unseen companion, I couldn't see it. It had a mass which excluded it from being a white dwarf or a neutron star. I mean, it's undergraduate astronomy. it's perfectly standard stuff.
0: What Dr. Merton was seeing was that there was a star being whipped around by something that was invisible. And if you calculated the mass necessary to make a star orbit around something that wasn't there, this invisible thing was huge. It's had the mass of many stars all packed together and there was nothing there. The only explanation was that this central invisible thing was something totally new.
3: It looked like being a black hole was on the cards. Then I did get really excited. It was um, it was only a matter of about an hour to work through the calculations, maybe an afternoon, and um, uh, and I had to uh, I had to get up and walk about and pace about a bit, thinking, had I really done this?
0: So Merton did what any diligent scientist would do; he checked his math.
3: That gave me more confidence in it, and um, and then I did have to show it to my supervisors and so on to get their opinion about it. Actually, at first, they were very skeptical. I don't think they really believed in the idea of black holes.
0: Eventually, Murden swayed his supervisors. That night, after dinner with his wife and kids, there was a very English celebration.
3: We lived in a, a, a seaside town, a bit of a resort area. Um, and um, and so she said, well, why don't we take the boys out for a bit of a celebration? So we drove down to the seafront and and went to a cafe, and I bought the two boys a particularly delicious sweet called um, a Knickerbocker Glory, which is basically multicolored jelly and fruit. So they remember it as a a good discovery as well.
0: As big as it seems, confirming the existence of black holes, Schnittman explains that the real significance of Merton's discovery was how he found Cygnus X1. I would say by
2: 1971, there was there was a lot more confidence that stars could actually collapse and turn into black holes, Uh, not like the atmosphere of the early 20th century where most physicists thought it was just absurd. Um, What was groundbreaking was now the idea, not only do they exist, but wow, these things are really bright X-ray sources and we can build X-ray telescopes, we can learn about this area right outside of a black hole, which is really a really cool idea.
0: But even though scientists generally assumed black holes were real, we always have to test assumptions. Also, by testing what we think we know can lead to huge breakthroughs.
2: It, it's good to check off the box. In 1998, Adam Rees was checking off a box and doing what by his account was a relatively boring project of just measuring detailed, careful measurements of supernova. And he did such a good, careful job, and he actually found one of the most amazing features of the universe to date, that it's accelerating apart instead of slowing down. And then the, all at once, we discovered gravitational waves. We saw confirmation of black holes merging. And then on top of it, the actual size of the black holes were much bigger than any of the other stellar mass black holes we'd seen by at least a factor of two. So, you know, kind of a a triple header, exciting breakthrough all at once with that.
0: Science is a grind. It's so often characterized as a single moment of genius, a moment of excited panic, like Paul Merton experienced when he first confirmed black hole's existence. But as Chris Kochanik will tell you, more often it's about putting in the time and pushing our knowledge forward bit by bit until all of a sudden we have that eureka moment where something huge falls out of the math. But before that moment of elation, there's hard work and doubt and fear.
1: And so the initial fear in the entire process is you're going to spend several years at this and just discover it's hopeless. What really always keeps me awake at night and is you know the, re- the reason i don't you know i may sound you know constantly negative is is to keep in mind that what we've also done is we've done the largest survey ever for massive stars acting bizarrely and the problem is we don't know all the ways in which massive stars act bizarrely
0: There's a wonderful agony to scientific discovery. It's never all that clear that you have exactly the right answer, that you've done all your calculations correctly. But when you're a professional scientist, you have to get up in public in front of your peers and say, this is what I believe. And then they try to shoot holes in your theory. It's always a risk to get up and say, I have discovered something incredible that's going to change the whole field. You know you're going to catch some hell about that. But despite Kochanik's reservations, he's feeling good about this discovery.
1: There's, I'll bet my life, I'll bet your life, and I'll bet your dog's life that this interpretation is correct.
0: If you like true stories with edge and depth, subscribe to Offshore from PRX and Honolulu Civil Beat. Each week, reporters probe stories that give you a different, grittier taste of the island paradise. They just launched with a series examining two killings, separated by about 70 years. This is not a crime podcast, but an intense look at race, power, and the sovereignty of the U.S. government, still seen as an insult by many Native islanders. Offshore, relevant, gripping stories from PRX and Honolulu Civil Beat. Subscribe. This mission to the stars has been commanded by Justin O'Neill, Andrea Mustaine edits, John Barth and Genevieve Sponsler co-pilot from the PRX mothership. We are supported by the Alfred P. Sloan Foundation, enhancing public understanding of science, technology, and economic performance. More information at sloan.org. If you like this episode and want to hear more, check us out at orbital.prx.org or subscribe wherever you get podcasts. And I'm Dr. Michelle Fowler. a little bit of Dead Stardust, signing off for now.